This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NanoRimo project in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together, in serial form, during November of 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 16 Written and Recorded by Kirsten Ferreri Hazel lay sprawled across the bed, her blonde hair shimmering in the light through the window. She had a separate room booked at the hotel to which they finally retired, after being unceremoniously thrown out of the library sometime around midnight. But she had fallen asleep while explaining Global to Trevor for what must have seemed to her like the thousandth time. Trevor lay under the table in his sweet sitting-room, scowling at the darkness. The whole thing was so complicatedly preposterous it had to be true, but his chinchilla was back, scratching at the back of his mind. Hazel was keeping something from him. He knew it, though he couldn't say how. But Global was not interested in him just for his hacking skills. There was another connection. Something Hazel didn't want him to know. For starters, it was just too huge a coincidence that, over eighty years after T. Monsieur had issued the order to destroy Global, his grandson possessed the exact skills to get it done, at the exact moment when it needed to be done. Trevor rubbed his eyes wearily and slid out from under the table. He needed a break. He retrieved his USB headset from his laptop bag and plugged it in. Hopefully there would be a new chapter of the mystery posted on the LibriVox forums. His email program popped up, telling him he had some new messages, but he clicked past it to LibriVox. The going solo forums were highlighted, meaning that someone had posted a chapter to something. He opened the folder eagerly. The mystery was highlighted, and marked as locked. The first post had been changed to include a bright red banner message. Due to the fact that our moderators have been unable to determine whether this piece is in the public domain, we have to temporarily close this thread down until we hear back from Gutenberg. So sorry for the inconvenience. Trevor scrolled down frantically. This couldn't be the end of the mystery. After all the lies Hazel told to him, he still couldn't shake the feeling that she was holding something back. The mystery felt like his only link to his grandfather's true history. Oh, thank Christ, one last link had been posted. The reader had his own server space, so none of the chapters had been deleted yet. Trevor downloaded the last one, put on his headphones, and listened. The recordings had never been perfect. There was background noise, interference, the occasional plosive, all the hallmarks of an amateur. But this one was different. The plosives came regularly, and were much more pronounced. It also seemed like almost every other plosive was longer than usual. The longer he listened, the more his chinchilla itched. Suddenly, and for the first time he could remember, something came of it, and an idea struck him. He loaded the last chapter of The Mystery into Audacity, and began to edit the file so that only the plosives remained. They fell instantly into a pattern. Short, short, long, short, and a pause. Morse code? Trevor opened Notepad and restarted the track, recording dots and dashes, then googled Morse code and pulled up a decoder. F-I-N. Find red. 
and there goes that damn chinchilla again. If Trevor's brain felt like it was being tickled by a chinchilla, Tracy's felt like hers was being waltzed on by a tyrannosaurus. She blinked her eyes open and tried to take in her surroundings, still unsure where she was. The walls were solid stone, rising for what looked like a hundred feet above her, and she could hear the echoes of her breathing resounding off the ceiling. She eased herself up off the floor. Every muscle in her body hurt, and her head was throbbing. She leaned over and retched. She had barely eaten in days, so she didn't vomit, but there was a sour taste of acid in the back of her throat. Tracy lay back down and began to sob. Suddenly she heard footsteps coming toward her. She dried her eyes and sat up, trying to ignore the pain in her forehead. A light flashed overhead, and for the first time in a long time, Tracy saw exactly where she was. It looked almost like the inside of a cathedral, a cathedral with no windows and no visible doors. The ceiling was vaulted and buttressed, and a wooden picnic table stood in the exact middle of the room. A woman was laying a meal out on the table and humming gently to herself. The tune sounded familiar, though Tracy couldn't remember where she had heard it. The woman was sweet-faced and plump, and no older than thirty. She had a long ponytail of curly red hair, and was dressed in a t-shirt and jeans. The t-shirt had something written on it, but Tracy couldn't quite make it out. Tracy stood and began to stumble toward the woman. Her legs felt unused to walking, and she wondered how long she had been asleep, and if her headache had anything to do with not remembering her surroundings. The woman looked up and smiled. As she turned, Tracy could read the writing on her shirt. I record audiobooks for LibriVox.org. Tracy gasped. This was too strange to be true. Good morning, the woman said. She had a slightly odd accent. Yet another detail Tracy felt like she could recognize, but couldn't. Where am I? The lady hesitated, as if deciding whether to tell her. You're in Rome, she said at last. Tracy felt tears well up in her eyes again. The woman seemed to notice and moved toward Tracy sympathetically. You must be starving, she said. Please have something to eat. Tracy knew better than to eat food prepared by a mysterious stranger, but she couldn't resist the smell of the hot fresh spaghetti and fresh mozzarella and tomato salad. She collapsed into a chair and began to eat hungrily. The woman sat down across from her and watched her eat. When she had cleared her plate, the woman opened the picnic basket again and pulled out a photo album. Care to look inside? Tracy felt her stomach sink but she opened the album. Inside were photos of a baby girl with the face hidden. Tracy began to cry again. Is this my daughter? It could be anyone's daughter. The woman closed the album and put it back in the picnic basket. But I want you not to jump to conclusions. Is it my daughter? Tracy demanded again. As it happens, it isn't your daughter, but it could be your daughter. It could be anyone's daughter. I don't understand what you mean. I mean that we could take your daughter at any moment. We could also take your son, or your husband, or your brother. They are safe now. They have filed a police report and said you are kidnapped. But they are safe at home. Why are you telling me all this? I want you to trust me. 
I am not keeping any secrets from you, and I need your help. With what? With convincing your brother to help our cause. Tracy could feel her headache returning. I don't know where Trevor is right now. We can put you in contact with him. We need you to tell him that he knows who we are, and that we have been trying to get in touch with him for a long time, that his life is in danger, and he will not be safe unless he is with us. Tell him that everyone is not who they seem to be, and to trust no one who has contacted him so far. And why should he trust you? He has no choice. He knows everything is not right with his so-called friends. He knows they are liars. Tell him that we know that he knows. Before I tell him all this, I need to know who you are. Tracy's courage was returning to her. Again, it was against all her instincts. But she did trust this strange woman. The woman chuckled to herself and reached into the picnic basket one last time. She handed Tracy a gold medallion. It was embossed with a cross and an inscription in Latin. What does this say? Translated. It claims the medallion as the property of the Sovereign Military Hospitaller Order of St. John of Jerusalem, of Rhodes, and of Malta. You're with the Knights of Malta? I am more than with the Knights. You might say that I am the Knights. I am the first of my order, the first of the Color Guard, the first of the Pilgrims, and the first daughter of the ancient Latia. I am the first and the last of my kind. In primasum, rutilasum. I— Tracy bit her lip in confusion. I don't speak Latin, I'm sorry. The woman smiled again, this time with a hint of impatience. I am in the first place. I am red. End of chapter 16 Recorded on November 18, 2006